Yo, good day, gents, and welcome to another episode of Father's Fire. My name is Cody Cedric, as you know, and every week we get together to explore the joys, the challenges, the triumphs, the sorrows, and yes, the fun of being a dad. And sometimes that fun is generated by your kids. Sometimes it's generated by you. Sometimes a lot of the sorrow comes because of you as well. <laughs> <laughs> and and some of the choices that your kids make, you just kind of shake your head and, and wonder what the heck and how am I going to get through this? And uh, this week, guys, I, I was, as you guys know, a lot of times I'm scrolling through TikTok. I'm looking for other men that are sharing their experiences about being a dad. And I came across a gentleman. His name is Sam Davis. He's my guest today. Welcome, Sam. How are you? I'm doing well, man. Thanks for having me here today. Oh, dude, I, I'm so excited. So let me, let me give the listeners a bit of background. Um, you know, as I was scrolling through TikTok, you know, I came across your post where you were talking about, you know, look, guys, I don't know if this is wisdom or longing or whatever it is, but, you know, I've reached 50 years old and I'm kind of looking back in my life and realizing that there's a lot of last in my life that I'm experiencing. And it really got me thinking, you know, because my kids, you know, they're my youngest two are 21. My oldest is 30. And they're all kind of making that transition out of the house into their own careers. And, and my youngest daughter, Kaylani, just graduated from UVU. And so there was a lot around UVU that really – you know, Judy and I got to be a part of because we are the biggest seventh man when it comes to volleyball. <laughs> we went to all over as many games as we could. And, you know, last year we had her last collegiate volleyball game and events. And I'm like, man, <laughs> I'm like, what are we going to do now? Because I'm so used to, you know, all of our kids played sports, you know, whether it was cross country or basketball or volleyball. And, and we don't get to be the loud, obnoxious parents in the stands anymore. <laughs> it passes quickly. Oh, man. So talk about that, because you obviously were reflecting on some of your last. Yeah. And, you know, it was about a couple of things, actually. It was about you know, the last and not knowing that they were going to be the last mm. times of things in our lives. And it was also an awakening that I was having as to how not in the present I live my life mostly. Now, my career, when I'm on the job, when I'm on a case and I'm, I'm in that family's living room, I'm present 100%. In other periods of my life, through the day to day, it's really difficult to stay in the present moment. And I was reflecting back on all those last times, not realizing that they were going to be the last times. I mean, some of them I did, you know, like last time you changed a diaper and, you know, last football game, things like that. But like watching TV with your kids, throwing ball out in the yard, you know, pitching ball and going to the park or whatever, you know. And um, it was about where was my headspace during those last times? Because I'm, I'm, very, very guilty of looking to the future and saying, when this, then, you know, once I get to this age, then this, like, um, it's like destination addiction. If I'm, 
if I'm just get to this point, I'm going to be okay. If I just get to that point, not that I'm not okay now, but there was a period in my life where I definitely was not okay. But I still fall victim to that. And it takes me out of the present moment. And it takes me out of those, those precious moments that end up being the last moments. And I, yeah. to be honest with you, I think it's, there's a time I don't know about midlife. I don't know anything about it. I, I you know, I, everybody's telling me midlife was when I was 35. Well, I was not even sober at 35 years old, you know, but you know, I, I think it's more along the lines of a, of a, I'm in a period of my life of dark night of the soul. It happens to everyone at, from, at some point in their life, sometimes several times in their life. And I think that's where I'm, where I am. Uh, that that's an that's an interesting phrase dark night of the soul yeah what do you it's mean a real by thing. that it's is that is that is that meaning that you're looking back with regret what what exactly do you mean by that it's a real thing dark night of the soul and what it is is we're all on a spiritual journey whether we want to realize that or not some of us are more awake to the fact that we're all on a spiritual journey and some of us are not um the first dark night of the soul i went through was the period of when i sobered up it's it's a point where where darkness just seems to descend upon you ever so so quietly and the next thing you know and i don't know i know i've had these experiences and i'm sure that many others have as well and just can't put a name to what's happening they call it bad luck or you know, they can call it depression, what have you. But their period, the, my first period of that was when I sobered up. It's just a really dark place where nothing that I've done to manage my life up until that point that had worked, worked any longer. And it put me in a position of just pain and loneliness, even surrounded by loved ones and friends and, and you know, your family you just feel alone and it's just a haze of gray around you. I'm not trying to be all dark here. I'm really not, no. but, but I have, and, and it really puts me in a position where I'm having to shed old ideas because none of my old ideas are, are working for me any longer. None of my old ideas and, and mistaken beliefs that I've gathered along the way on this journey are effective any longer and nothing's working. And it put me in a position to where all I could do was hit my knees and cry out to a God that I had absolutely no relationship with. And it was necessary because I shed those old ideas that I gathered along that time and new ideas came in. But now I'm on a journey of sobriety. And as we trudge along in this life, we slowly gather more mistaken beliefs and ideas that aren't necessarily so. And, and uh, coping and coping skills that, that no longer serve us. And then we hit a wall and I've hit a wall. Like for the last several, I've been putting up content on, on social media for a couple of years and it's always try to be inspiring or giving tips and, and seeking truth and storytelling. And man, for the last few months, nothing came, nothing like it's, there's nothing there. And I'm in a period where I, I just, I can't seem to communicate with people. And I just don't see joy, but I have faith because I've been through this before and I know I'll get out. I'm not here to sing a sad song or, you know, woe is me or poor, poor me, but that's where it is. And what it is, is the shedding of the, of the beliefs that are, and, and the, and the ideas that are no longer serving me. And it's just spiritual growth. 
it's what it is, but it yeah. sucks. It sucks. Yeah, I, I really I love I love the authenticity with what you're sharing, right? Because I think a lot of us men, we reach a dark moment and we don't know how to articulate what's going on inside. We're sitting there all alone. And I remember, you know, we, our family, we've, we've had a really trying five years. I mean, it has been five years in a lot of ways, some real hell as we've worked through some things with, with my youngest son. And I remember, <clears throat> you know, we had to go to Caldwell and I had to take my son and, um, I'm driving home by myself. I left him and um, he had to stay overnight in the county. And, um, and I'm driving home and I just remember just feeling utterly alone. I just completely, utterly alone. And I remember I'm driving and I am punching the gas and I'm mad and I'm crying and I'm yelling at God and I'm like, I'm just, I'm mad, right? I'm mad. I'm hurt. I'm frustrated. I, I feel like I'm cornered. I'm not sure what to do. I'm not sure how we're going to work through this because the situation we found ourselves had some very potentially lifelong implications, right? And right. I, dude, I just, I'm driving and I'm getting to the, to the exit to get off to my house. And, and I almost kept driving and I'm like, no, just get off. And, and I'm starting to drive towards home. And, and I just got to the point that I got it all out of my system. And I just kept driving and I was just quiet. And it's like, once I got it all out of my system, this little voice said in my head, be still mm. and know that I'm God mm. and I got you and your son. Mm. And that voice came out of nowhere, didn't it? That voice was not of you. It wasn't correct? of me, right? It came out of nowhere, right? And, but it pierced the opaqueness of my heart. Mm. It pierced the darkness of my mind and my spirit. And Nothing changed in that moment other than I received peace. Mm -hmm. And it's like, all right, I, I'm just going to trust the process. And I recognize that there's things that I don't know. And I think a lot of times it's the fear of the unknown that really cripples us and puts us in a dark place. And I think sometimes... God says, you know what? I know you're in a dark place. I'm going to let you get it all out of your system. And once you get it all out of your system where you can just be still for a minute, then I'm going to talk to you and I'm going to move with you through this. And, and I tell you, it's been a day by day, moment by moment journey. It didn't, you know, everything wasn't solved in that moment, but over the period of time and over the past couple of years, you know, we can now see the light at the end of this tunnel. Right. But, you know, having that, that dark souls night, as you said, 
I think every one of us in some ways need those, whether we're being trying to be a good parent, we're trying to supply, we're addicted, we're overcoming, you know, anger issues or whatever. We all come to a point where we have to be broken. Because in my experience, there is a principle of broken in life that enables us to shed that which is holding us back. But the problem is, is the breaking process yeah. is freaking painful. Yeah. Yeah. My, <laughs> some of my most profound spiritual experiences really sucked on the front end. You know, when things are going well in my life, I'm not learning anything. It's through the pain where I get my most growth. And I'm just sitting here having chills because you and I have never met before. I mean, we met what yesterday on TikTok and yeah. I've never seen you face to face. I don't know your story. You don't know much of mine. But the last dark night of the soul period that I went through, I mean, my life was turned upside down in sobriety and I was just broken. And when I opened my eyes one morning and I'm going to be honest with you, it's not very often that I darken the doors of a church house. It's not. I am a spiritual person, but I don't go to church every Sunday and I seek God and I have a faith in God. But when I pop my eyes open one morning, that same thing was told to me and it was not of me and it said be still and know that i am god i mean it was as soon as my eyes popped open that morning i'll never forget it and it it, it a peace came over me just like it, exactly as you described exactly as you described yeah it. you know and, and and i love that we've had parallel experiences because i think a lot of times we men we think we're on an island mm -hmm. Right. We, we haven't been taught to talk about these things in a way that recognizes the pain of our heart. We haven't been taught how to deal with our emotions, how to overcome the things in our heart, because we're always told buck up and deal with it. You're a man and, and set it aside. Right. And, and I think that's part of the reason why I like having these discussions, because the more men I talk to, the more men I realize is, you know, we're all in some ways broken. I heard this great talk. Um, this guy, he, was, he said, he goes, I love that Christmas story. It's on TV and it's like the year without a Santa Claus or something like that. And they have an island of broken toys. Yeah. And he goes, he goes, we're all broken, right? And we're all just waiting for the master to come to us and, and put the pieces back together and out of our broken lives, create something beautiful. And, and I had a really good conversation with my, my daughter, Cynthia. Um, she was on my podcast about five months ago. And we were talking about some of the darker moments that we went through, in, in particular with her. And she said, you know, Dad, she was, I would never want to go through what we went through together but I wouldn't trade what it did to us because you and I now have a, we forged a, a bond that would not have been possible without those hard times. And, and I think sometimes we repel against hard times, but really they're the, the pieces that the man upstairs is able to go, all right, let me take all these broken pieces and let me make something beautiful out of it. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, no. It, I mean, pain isn't fun. You know, my dad, <laughs> you know, and I will refuse to be emotionally bankrupt ever again in my life. You know, I, we have a long lineage in my family of, of male alcoholics who are emotionally bankrupt. And that is passed down generation to generation. And I was headed to carry on the torch of that and pass it down to my kids before I sobered up. And once I had an awakening and once I rebuilt that internal constitution, I, I speak very openly to my kids about emotions, about emotional health, because man, I was a blockhead for so many years <laughs> and, and, uh, <laughs> and I, and, you know, I just refuse to be that any longer. Um, yeah. I speak very openly to my boys about, 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 addiction about spirituality about struggling about the emotional struggle that we all go through everybody is aware of mental health you hear it all the time mental health awareness day everybody is you know in the gym with the physical health but a lot of men a lot of dads and have just no awareness of emotional health and it's it's sad a lot of them are checking out a lot of them are, are saying we're just not going to be here anymore, you know? And yeah. suck start a 12-gauge. And emotional health is very real because, you know, trauma is like emotional cancer, and a lot of us have that. From that manifest so many things in our lives that are very tragic. Got to take care mm -hmm. of our emotional health as men. Yeah. So, So how did you... How did you work out of that one, the addiction, but the interrelated emotional bankruptcy that you were going through? The addiction is never the problem. It's always what we use as a solution to the problem. And it worked for me for a long time. I mean, it did. It put it did exactly what it was supposed to do, you know, for a long time. And it turned on me like a boomerang, started cutting me to pieces. But I started addiction. This is where a lot of people think addiction is the problem. And it's not. It's the result of the problem. The problem is emotional health. And so I, once I, when the student is ready, the teacher will appear. And I became open and willing through a series of complete butt kickings emotionally in my life to follow some directions. And when I became <laughs> willing to follow those directions, the teacher appeared. And it spoke a language that I could understand. And I could very clearly know at that point that it wasn't about just saying no to drugs and drinking. That it was I had to do a complete internal overhaul and completely rebuild my internal constitution and involved emotional health. And I did that. That's what I focused on. I sought God and I cleaned out these insides that I had and my addiction, the obsession to use drugs went away. It's like I treated my internal condition. There, again, correct me if I'm wrong, because I, I'm going to infer something in, in here is I think a lot of times, whether we're dealing with addiction or whether we're trying to overcome anger issues or pornography or whatever it is, right? I think a lot of times we focus on what we need to do or what we need to get rid of. Instead of focusing on, all right, who do I need to become? Mm -hmm. And as you start looking at who you want to become, 
what kind of man you want to be, what kind of dad you want to be, what kind of husband do you want to be, what kind of partner. When you start thinking about what kind of person do, do you want to become, the things to do just become a result of that desire to become more than you were yesterday. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Now, you know, there's a piece in our literature that when we're talking about fear, it says that fear is an evil and corrosive thread and the fabric of our existence is shot through with it. Anger is the bodyguard of fear. And when we're dealing with anger issues or addiction or food or porn, they're all just the solutions that we are using to change how we feel. But it says, and it's, I find it very interesting that you said that because in our literature is, it says that we ask God to remove our fear and we ask him what he would, and I'm paraphrasing here, I'm not quoting it exactly, I'm having a little mind fuzzle here, but it says, what would God have us be? Not what God would have us do, but what would God have us be? And mm -hmm. if I'm really seeking that, then I have to sit with that and like, what would he have me be? Happy, joyous, and free? Have me be honest? Have me be productive? Have me be well? And then when I start bringing my awareness to that, then my actions are going to change. So what you just said is exactly what we practice, those of, you know, in recovery to change our emotional health and improve our emotional health. That's what we do. And it's very powerful. It's like power of the words, very important, very important. Not only what we're telling others, but what we're telling ourselves, what would God have me be? And, and I'm, I'm like you, like, I want to uh, tell me to do something, tell me to dig a hole, tell me to, you know, climb a tree, <laughs> tell me to, you know, write this down or do that. But it's the being part that can be very difficult sometimes. Because I'm yeah. afraid, I'm afraid, and my my ego wants to wants to fix that. My ego wants to take charge. My ego wants to manage and rearrange, and and then it wants to lie to me and tell me that if other people would just handle themselves okay, I'd be all right. Mm. Mm. I <laughs> that's really powerful because I think a lot of times <clears throat> our ego does get in our way of our own self healing. Right. It's easy to point the finger outwards instead of going, all right, <laughs> let's be authentic with myself and go, all right, I'm not who I need to be or who mm -hmm. I want to be. And what are the things that I need to change about my character that will help me in my journey to becoming like ultimate like ultimately like our Heavenly Father, right? That's the goal is to be like him as much as we can. I mean, obviously we're going to fall short, but you know, I think, you know, God, a loving God really wants us to become more than we've settled for. And it's easy to be complacent and go, you know what, this is the way it's always going to be instead of recognizing that there's real power in, in the ability within us to pursue those spiritual things and become a new man, a new creature. Mm -hmm. Right. And, yeah. and I, I, I love that. So looking back, you know, before we got online a little bit, you're talking about the first time that you hold that held that baby boy of yours. Yeah. Yeah. And man, I loved him. I still love him. He's my oldest boy. He's going to be 22 here in October. But uh, and he lives on his own. He's got a, got a good job. He's doing well. He went and got some trauma work done from his childhood. 
he wanted to. And now I believe he came to me and said, Hey, man, I, I need to get some work done. He's not an alcoholic. He's not an addict, but he has some trauma from, from childhood. And I'm, I have his permission to share this. I just wouldn't throw his story out there if I didn't have sure. But he said, man, I want to get some work done because he had a traumatic childhood and some feelings of abandonment because, man, I was a, I was a deadbeat dad. I was, and I love that boy more than anything in this world. And I couldn't pull, I couldn't get sober for him for nothing, for nothing. I couldn't pull it off. And I had lost custody of him and, and he lost trust and, and, and he lost trust in people and he felt abandoned and he didn't know and all this, you know, ADHD stuff going around diagnosis, you know, what are the kids experiencing at home? How are they to focus in school when they got traumatic events happening at home? And, and, and nothing against psychiatrists, but there's a large majority of our population that believes it's like they like to polish the hood of a car with a blown engine, toss some medication at it when really we've got trauma down below. Right. And so, you know, he did that and he came to me and said he wanted to get some work done because of my transparency and because he's a solid man who's who's you know, in touch with some emotional stuff. Right. And because he had heard me talking so freely and, and ex watching my experiences in my journey in sobriety, he felt safe to come to me and say, man, I'm going to get some work done. Mm. And I was trying to pick out alcoholism in him since the time he was born, you know, because, well, not time he was born. So it's time I sobered up, you know, I said, man, my boys are, man, I just don't want them to become addicts, alcoholics. And I was trying to pick it out in them for so many years. And so it was like, and that was an awakening too about how much time I squandered away worried about the future when God had it. Like God showed mm. me right then and there. He put it in his heart to come here and say, hey man, I want to get some work done. You know? Back on, buddy. You're making me tear up in here. You know what? And I, that's all good, right? I, I think... The thing that I drew from that personally is that your son saw the change in you. He saw and witnessed the process that you were going through. And he said, you know what, Dad? I see the man that you're becoming. And it gave him not only the foundation, but it gave him the space to come and say, hey, Dad, I've been hurt. And I see what's happened in your life, and I love what I see. And I want that in my life. And I think a lot of times we, as dads, underestimate the power of our example, both in what we did when we were younger, but also in what they see us doing today. Well, he didn't say it that eloquently. <laughs> He didn't say it in those words. In fact, you know, there was, he was, he was standoffish with me for a long time. And, you know, there's his trauma and, um, you know, and, and my behavior. Um, he was, he was standoffish and he was angry at me. He was angry. He still had anger with everything that had gone on in his early years. He had anger towards me. So it's not like he came to me and said, Dad, I love you so much. I want to do this. And I've been watching you. You've been such no. an inspiration. Yeah. <laughs> He's like, he just knew that he could come talk to me. Yeah. I, I, that, that mustard seed of, 
of of willingness on him, you know, to uh, to see the dad is definitely does walk some of the talk that he talks, you know. And I, and I think that was the bridge to healing. Right? Yeah. He saw that dad was walking what he was talking about. And I think one of the things that a lot of men struggle with, <clears throat> especially when they've overcome addiction or they've worked through heavy challenges, that it's hard for them to reconcile the trail of tears that were caused in the past. And I think a lot of men, they come to their kids or to their ex or whatever, and they go, I'm sorry. And they expect that all of a sudden that I'm sorry is going to make up for the years of heartache and loss and anger. And instead of going, all right, <laughs> you came to me, you're angry, you're hurt. You just blew up at me and go, you know what? That's okay, because I recognize that I've come to a point where I am today, and you need to come to your point where at some point, hopefully, we can have meaningful conversations and, most importantly, meaningful connection. And I think a lot of times we rush, we try to rush the process and don't allow people the experience of healing that is necessary as they work through their trauma. Have you, have you found that um, as you've reconnected with your son going through this process that, um, that it's brought you together in ways that are surprising? not really surprising. I'm just, I'm just grateful. You know, there was a time when I, in early sobriety, when I was first sobering up that I didn't think that I'd ever have a relationship with him again, you know? So it's not as surprising as it is just grateful for the relationship yeah. that we do have, you know, like their mom missed a whole lot, you know, she missed a whole lot and thank God she's sober today. Um, but she missed a whole lot and um i'm I'm very grateful that i was able to be present for that not for what she missed i'm not like i don't mean it no i understand that, glad i could witness that chick miss out on everything that wasn't where i was coming from i, no, like I understand it, but, <laughs> you know, i totally understand now, now there were times now years ago there were times that i probably would have unplugged her life support to charge my iphone you know what i mean but we're not there today we, we've been doing better we're doing better <laughs> No, but, you know, no, I'm just grateful. You know, you've come a long way when you can joke about it. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. And and that's the beauty of it. I mean, it's, you know, I, I had two uncles that were severe alcoholics and, and I saw the, the ripple effects that have gone across their children, right? Especially my one uncle. And my my other uncle, who's still alive today, he actually, you know, was able to, to break the cycle. Um, 
but even, you know, his kids, you know, they're, they're still struggling with some of the ramifications of those early years. Right. And I think that's hard sometimes. And this is my interpretation. So you can correct me if I'm wrong. I think a lot of times kind of those dark moments are slipping into what could have been instead of recognizing, you know what, that was yesterday and we've built out of it. And I like what we've become. And mm-hmm. I'm so grateful at what we've become because it's a freaking miracle. We survived the darkness. Yeah. 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 You know, I've got another boy, 16. And he had a lot of loss coming up, a lot of loss. He's lost a lot of friends to death. And um, he, um, you know, went through the same stuff my oldest son went through. And he's my wild child. You know, you know, the two kids, same parents, two completely different individuals, completely different <laughs> individuals. And this little young fella here, he... I know that there's a lot of emotional damage. I know that. Uh, he clams up and and he's like the CIA. I mean, the CIA couldn't crack him, man. I'm telling you, the CIA <laughs> couldn't get in there and crack him. I mean, if you needed that boy to hold a secret, I mean, if you needed that boy to hold some confidential information, you know, top secret, secret classified information, he is your guy. But um, I know that he's got some, some damage. I know that he does. And I'm terrified of, of like, where's that going to manifest? And now he's 16 and, you know, he's doing some teenage stuff. I have to, I have to balance. And because my job is an interventionist, like I work in addiction and I see it all the time and I live it and I breathe it and I sleep it. And, you know, I have to be very careful of not saying you know, just rounding him up and throwing him into treatment. You know, I mean, he's, 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 he's not in a place where he wants to really work on his emotional stuff or acknowledge it. And I'm just terrified of what that's going to lead to, you know, but here I am operating out of fear and fear of the future and fear of the unknown. And it takes me completely out of the present. And it causes me to, cause I'm self-reliant at this point. Right. I mean, is God going to be God? Am I going to let God be God? And I think that's part of this, dark night of the soul that I'm going through is because not only am I transitioning, but my son is transitioning. He's 16. He's got his license. He's got a truck. He's working, you know, he's, he's in transition. And now my fear is like, do I really believe? Because years ago, 14 years ago, when I hit my knees out of desperation to a God that I didn't understand and formed a relationship with it, I believed then. And, and, and I, I, I trusted them, but do I really believe now? Because why am I trying to get in here and trying to manage it all and operate out of fear and, and fear of the future and fear of the unknown and trying to wrangle them? Well, I can't let God be God. Yeah. And then when I'm trying to manage it, when I'm trying to arrange everything and I'm like, a, well, I'm trying to manage every single thing of his life and my life and, and God's over there like, man, but you're not able to do what I need you to do if you're trying to play me. Yeah. And I think, I think a lot of times we miss that. We're trying to play God when we just need to play dad. Yeah. And what, you know, it's, it's interesting looking at, you know, my relationship with my kids is when I've stepped back 
and just let them move. <laughs> it's amazing how God moves in their lives in ways that I could never imagine. And so I get to just sit back and be in awe. And, and, and I often tell my kids, I'm like, look, you guys know I'm not the perfect dad, but I will love you perfectly. And I'm here when you need me. And I think that's kind of one of the things that's a last, but also a first for me is, you know, there were last moments when I was teaching my kids and giving them foundational elements. And now there's a lot of firsts where I'm now the confidant, the counselor, the listener, the friend, the dad, the sounding board, the cheerleader, right? All those are kind of new first for me. And, and it's fun to kind of experience these because in some ways I'm having to step back and watch them become you know, who God gifted them to be but also get to watch them work through some of their dark things and be there when I'm needed instead of trying to force my way into it and messing it up when they already are kind of working it out. They just sometimes need a little reassurance that dad's got their back. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's difficult to let go sometimes, buddy, you know, because we've seen them since they were born. And we've seen them do every stupid thing that they've done coming along. We've seen it. We've experienced it. We've picked up behind it. We've discovered yeah. it, right? Some of the dumb things we, they've done. And I'm not saying our kids are dumb, but we all do stupid things. So I'm coming along oh, yeah. going, man, this boy is going, these boys are going to have a rough road to hoe here. <laughs> you know, it's yeah. going to be a long road. Yeah, sometimes it is. And sometimes the best teachers experience, right? Yeah, it's just it like, is. all right, I kind of can see where you're heading. I'm just going to watch the train wreck. Yeah. <laughs> but I'm also other times going to go, wow, go show me what you can do and awe me. And, yeah. and, and it's fun. So looking back, I mean, you and I are having a great conversation. We can keep going, but I want to be sensitive to your time. But, you know, looking back, you know, what what advice would you give other dads that I mean they don't have to be working out of addiction they can just be dads right what whatever what do you think is important for men to tap into in building a relationship with their kids I'm not trying to sound like a recovery guy here because I know this isn't a recovery podcast but this isn't people separate addicted individuals from other humans and we're all the same. We're all going through the same things and same trials and tribulations. It's just that some people choose drugs and alcohol to try and numb that. And other people choose work. Other people choose, you know, plastic surgery and other people choose porn, gambling, what have you, but we're all going through stuff. And there's three things that, that, uh, that we kind of, are instructed to live by those of us in recovery. And it goes for everybody, I believe. And that is trust God, clean house, help others. Mm. Those three things, trust God, right? Trust God and, and clean house, meaning rearrange your internal situation, right? Rebuild your internal constitution. Or don't have to rebuild it, do a little checkup, do some tune-ups, shed those old belief systems that aren't working for you, right? Seek God. You know, the power, the power of that is in the seek, right? 
The most powerful word in the word see God is seek. You know, it's not in the knowing or understanding or any of that. It's in the seek and then help others. You know, there's nothing. When, when I've been going through this dark period here, um, what gives me relief, and, and I've been taught this, is get out of myself and help another human being. You know, and, and it really puts things in perspective for me. Uh, so that's where the help others, you know, trust God, clean house, help others and you'd be all right. Life of abundance. I, I dude, I love that. Those three things could be a whole new podcast. <laughs> we, we should probably schedule around too. That'd be great. So. Well, well, yeah. thank you so much for the conversation. I, I've yeah, really man. enjoyed your spirit. I've enjoyed your candor, your openness. Um, and, and, I, and I think it's important, like you said, you know, whether you're an addict or non-addict, we're all dealing with something. It's just how we choose to deal with it. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. So, and, yeah. and, and I love that perspective. It's like, you know what, we're all dealing. So give, give each other a little grace, give yourself a little grace and embrace the process of becoming, because that's ultimately what we're to do is become better fathers, better husbands. Yeah. Guys, you know, go, you know, buddy, can I say something before we yeah, close? Please. Is that, yeah. Is that this is the first podcast. I've been on a lot of podcasts. We do our own podcast and I've been, you know, putting content in front of the public for a long time. This is the most that I have ever talked directly about God this much. And I'm in a shift in my life and this this interview that we've done this interaction this dialogue that we have done has i don't i don't know what it's about but i am no longer going to shy away from talking about god and any of my stuff ever that's good again. that's ever good again. you know what you know it's i think i think we all struggle at first with it right and the way i look at it and this is, you know, this me evolving over years, right? I mean, but it's just like, just like I want to have a relationship with, with my boys and my daughters. I think God wants to have a relationship with us. Mm-hmm. And the and he's just waiting for us. The invitation is come unto me, right? Mm-hmm. And he's just come unto me. <clears throat> Are you willing to come unto me? And as, as we heed the invitation all of a sudden that relationship starts to flourish we start to feel it we develop more confidence in it it gives us greater confidence in our relationship with our kids it helps us see things um from a different lens yeah right and i didn't you know i didn't i just didn't want the controversy i didn't want to step on toes and you know, I'm very open about God around the people in my circle, but just publicly, I, I haven't been. And I'm going to shift that up, man. I'm going to shift that up. You know what? It's I think there's a way I think there's a way to do it in a productive way. Right. A yeah. loving way. It's like, look, I'm not thumbing God down yeah. your throat. That's not yeah. my mission. My mission is just to share with you what changed in my life. Yeah. It's yeah. just like I was talking to a young lady today. She's really had a tough, tough 
two years, right? Came out of a really abusive situation, have some really heavy challenges. And, and, um, and she said, you know, I, I feel a connection, but I don't have anybody to talk about it with. She says, I, I feel spiritual and I feel this yearning to connect with the divine. She goes, but I don't know how. And I said, you know what? Just start the process, right? Just open your heart. So, to express your feelings. Go express your doubts. And I know your family is not necessarily spiritual, and that's okay. If you if you want to call me, give me a shout. I'll talk to you. I mean, mm-hmm. I, you know, and it's always like, I always approach it from the attitude of, look, I just love you. And this is what's brought me peace. This is what's healed my heart. This is what brings me joy. And it's a part of me. It's not my banner that I'm waving, (laughs) right? Right. It's just a part of who I am. And it's part of my story. And it's a part of my healing. And it's a part of my journey of becoming. And you know what? It's, I think we all just need to embrace the process of going, you know what? We have a loving Heavenly Father, and what He really wants is just to connect with His kids. Yeah. Yeah. So, but this has been great, man. Anyway, I appreciate it. So, well, thank you so much for taking the time to, to visit with me. And um, man, it's just been such a great conversation. I've really enjoyed it. I appreciate it. Yeah. So guys, go out to TikTok and connect. Oops, hold on. Is that sound coming through? Or my I dropped my headpiece. So, but anyway, hopefully you can hear me. But um, go out and go out to TikTok. Look up Sam Davis. He's got some phenomenal messages on intervention, overcoming addiction, reconnecting with family. You know is his own thoughts about getting older and his relationship with his, his kids and his family. So please go connect with them. Thank you guys so much for joining me. It's hard to believe this is like 240 something episodes, um, but each episode is designed and hopefully the conversations touch your heart and they resonate with you and they ignite the fire within you to be a better husband, better father, a better man. And to build that relationship with the ultimate man, the man upstairs. And uh, that's really what we're about. So thank you guys so much for tapping in. And we will check you guys same time, same bad channel just next week right here on Father's Fire. See ya! Sounds good.